0: This is Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hardell. Toronto's News, Today's Talk, 640 Toronto. It's beginning to feel a lot like Christmas. Right? Sure it is. I uh, just got back from my little uh, staycation. My daughter has been begging me to go skiing, so I had the privilege of going out to Bant for a few days, uh, pre-Christmas ski. Six feet of snow, spectacular weather oh so nice and I do feel for the ski industry uh, here in Ontario I'm actually going to be bringing on uh, Wally Crowder's son Glenn Crowder uh, an avid skier and uh uh, he's actually doing a show on 640 now, a lifestyle and wellness program. And uh, he's always been a ski expert. Uh, so he'll be joining us sometime in January talking about the business of skiing. I like business. Uh, we're talking about the business of music uh, later in the show as well. That's a, an industry I'm very, very dear to. But uh, right now, it's rock and roll the real rocks. Copper, gold, silver. Uh, I have an expert out in Vancouver, That's what BC does real well, metals and mining, and I've got a really, really dear friend of mine, a veteran uh, at Canaccord, uh, Mr. Cam Curry, a Senior Investment Advisor, good friend of mine, and uh, going to graciously share with us some of his thoughts on metals and mining right here, right now. Uh, Cam, Merry Christmas and welcome to Hi-Fi Radio, it's a first for you baby, uh, let's have
1: some fun. And thanks so much for the invite. By the way, we're still waiting for snow out here. Uh, Banff has it all, but we don't have a lot at Worcester, So Yeah, you are. It's, it's you're, a driving Christmas day. You
0: are a big skier. And, uh, you know, I, I thought about you, as a matter of fact, in Banff, because last time I saw you, I think you might even be a year or two older than I, but it doesn't matter. But you told me you like to ski really hard and really fast. And just the way you said it with such confidence, it was, I found it actually quite intimidating. I do feel myself getting a little older and slowing her down. Greens and blues. Believe it or not, you'll find me on the greens and blues cam.
1: But I don't fall. I don't get hurt. And I spend time with my daughter. So a good well, You're, six feet, a, you're a West Coast skier. I mean, I'm we, not. all we do is ski the chutes and all that kind of stuff. So if you, you grew up here, you'd be along the same lines. So. I ski
0: some great chutes in France at 12 at yeah. 8, Uh and a pair of 205 vocals. So but, you want to talk rocks? Why not? Let's talk rocks. I had my rock. My, my skis were taken up with a bit of rock out west, but not too bad. But uh, gold versus copper. A uh, bit of a debate, I shall say. I look at the market and, uh, you know, you see Bitcoin waking up. Gold, you know, was flirting, I think, with an all-time high uh, mm-hmm. this year. Copper, industrial metal, I see a lot of building going on, home construction and building stocks hitting all-time highs. I'm seeing uh, the, the industrial sector looking stronger. But with electrification, you got to think copper should be trading near an all-time high, and it's not. It's still trading below $4. You're an expert in the space, Cam, and you did say to me last time I saw you, you're selling your copper stocks. That was about, what, eight, nine months ago, and that actually really gave me credence to maybe I should lighten up as well. And I came home, I said, Jack... One of our guys, Cam Curry, uh, who knows Copper, I think, really, really well, is lightening up on the position. So uh, I think that was a good call you made then. Uh as you're saying,
2: they're cyclical and they need to be traded.
1: So from here, Cam, what, where are you with copper? Well, first of all, um, I love copper long-term, and uh, we've had some great successes. When I say selling, I was lightening up on some core positions because I just saw an economic slowdown coming. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, the stock market trading new a new, new time new highs this week in the U.S. is, quite honestly, it's, it's shocking to me in terms of the movement move up. But a lot of it's the last six weeks where a lot of Johnny Come Ladies came in because they were flat-footed. On the copper side, <laughs> the, the copper side, it, you know, Know, copper, you know, has a PhD in economics, uh-huh. that, and that's one of the driving f- forces behind the the decline in go- in copper prices. But the big story for copper going forward, and I'm looking sometime in mid late 24 to really add to my copper positions. I don't know time wise, because. The supply side is a huge problem. You look at all the big copper projects in the world these days. I mean, the Chinese and the Russians control a lot of them. All, a lot of them are in Africa. The political challenges down in, in South America continue. We have the, uh, the Cobra Panama problem with first quantum. So supply is going to be a big, big problem going forward. And what most, most people don't realize is, you know, from a discovery of a copper project, to first production is 15 to 20 years. And the capex is anywhere from three to seven billion dollars. So there's been no money wow. going into the ground to develop future projects. So,
0: so Cam, I'm, I'm, you're throwing a lot of good stuff on the table here. I want to make sure yeah. people don't miss the buffet. Uh, again, copper having a PhD in economics. Point there is copper really is used in almost everything anything and everything built. Uh, And that's very, very important. So if copper is not in demand, that means end product is not in demand. When copper is in demand, and when when end product is in demand, copper is in demand. So it is a good gauge of economic activity. Um, But in terms of geopolitical risk, you covered off a lot of bases there too, but uh, Canada certainly is a friendly jurisdiction nation. That does give us a leg up over uh, other parts of the world. But the 15 to 20 year um, a lead time to build a mine uh, mm-hmm. minimum cost but some 7 billion, that, that, that,
3: that's $7 billion dollars that's fascinating
0: that, that is fascinating because our last bull market uh, and that's a, when, I, it's when I actually entered the market uh, uh, on Bay Street in 2001 um, the reason we had such a wonderful run in the first decade of this millennia here in Canada US was flat US was in a secular bear market from 2000 to 2012 2015 it was a secular bear market where the S&P five hundred went nowhere. Canada was on steroids and that's when the Looney went to par. And uh, reason being underbuilding of mines. And all of a sudden you had a pinch point and uh no supply, good demand. And Whammo, copper went 450. Uh, So do you see. lot of that had
1: to do with also, don't forget, I mean, China build out. China China build out,
0: that's right. China build out.
1: Um, now we have a different situation here where if you look at China, they overbuilt. And uh, I think the unemployment amongst the male youth between 18 and 25 is like 22%. So what you have. In China? Sorry, in China? In China. So now you have an overbuilt. Unemployment. Sorry, Cam. Unemployment in China amongst the the male youth between the age of 18 and 25 is like 20% right now. That's how much their economy slowed down. And so much of their economy was infrastructure build out. And look at the overbuilding. So now they're saying, reports I read, four to six years to to digest the overbuild of China. So think about the copper... Um, demand side there now. The big unknown in copper is the EV, EV evolution. EV requires a lot of copper, and so that's why the demand is going to continue to be strong. Well, but, yeah, no, I think the that's trade. the obvious trade in copper.
0: Yeah. And again, the fact that I see something being obvious means it probably isn't. Uh, but yes. you know, electrification—you uh, know, no combustible engines. These new ma- mandates that were uh, being presented with uh, around the world. Um, Look unattainable, they um, are. But I mean, you know they, they are pushing towards some kind of a goal. And look, you and I have been to Europe a few times. We certainly see a, a, a greener environment in Europe today than we would have twenty some odd years ago. And I just think about mm-hmm. going into Innsbruck, skiing Innsbruck. Cam, have you skied Europe by the way? I have. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, but do you remember skiing Europe 20 years ago uh, around all the major ski drop-off zones where these buses that bus people in, they're all running on diesel, and they all, the town stunk of diesel. Mm-hmm. Not the case anymore.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, you go to China, too, and you go to Beijing, for example, and you'll see two different color license plates. And there's the green and there's I think, the red, and the, and the red represents uh, combustible engines, the green is EV. And and uh, one of our bankers, actually, one of our uh, analysts, sorry, uh, Dalton Burrata, who's our base metal analyst, was there recently, and he told me, you look at the cars, 50% are green now. So they're pushing it much more aggressively there. I just came back from California, and I drove all the way back with my road bikes and that. And so with your what? You right now, my road bikes. I was down in Palm Springs riding. And uh, I'm, too, I'm too young to golf. Um, anyway, uh, <laughs> I, um, but point being is that you know California, which is the epicenter of Tesla, you see a lot of Teslas around, but I can tell you right now, the infrastructure required to meet the mandate of 2035 in California is not going to happen. There's just no way. The infrastructure required, and the electricity that has to be created, created to electrify California or the United States for that matter, there's just no way it can happen. And the economics, people aren't going to be pushed. You see these people driving older cars, they can't afford to buy electric cars.
0: You know, our, our next hit, we're going to bring on a good friend of mine, Steve Kane. Um, I'm going to have to ask you, Steve, when did they electrify the guitar? Do you know?
3: Oh, 30s?
0: In 20s? the 30s, eh? Yeah. Uh, was it Les Paul maybe who did it?
3: Uh, yeah, Les Paul. Really? I got that right. Yeah, well, you that, got that, that right a good guess. And, uh, yeah, so Charlie Christensen was probably the first electric guitar star, and he was 20s.
0: Friend, a little teaser, 30, uh, Mr. Crazy. Steve Kane, former president of Warner Music Group in Canada. Uh, that's going to be a fun interview. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, uh, if I may, with you, Cam Curry, my bass metal friend out in Vancouver, senior investment advisor with CG Wealth. Uh, by the way, uh, if you really like base metals, if you really like junior uh, and mid-cap gold names, honestly, I'm not your guy. Camp Curry is. Uh, You can find him on our website. Uh, What a plug I gave! What a
1: gentleman I am. Thank
0: you. You deserve it. Truly
1: a gentleman. Well, Uh, I tell you, that's again. That's going. Let's go to the precious metals for a second. I mean, what's what's? I I was actually just I moderated a fireside chat between chair of World Gold Council and the ex sorry chair of the World Gold Council and and the CEO of World Gold Council recently, and you know it's a fascinating situation. I mean, gold is trading at all time highs. And yet nobody's paying attention. Mm-hmm. And what's really significant, it's a Western phenomena. Because you go to the Eastern banks, Eastern buyers, they're the buyers of gold. Whereas the ETF ownership in the United States and Europe have gone from 3,500 tons to 2,700 tons. So the Western world's not paying attention to what the Eastern world is doing. And what you're seeing is you're seeing a, a movement a diversification of diversification under U.S. dollars. Because they're looking at the fiscal house. I was just in in France. I met with a Monaco banker, and they're very bullish on gold because they see fiscal risk in the deficits in the United States. I mean, the deficit in the United States is $33 trillion. And and rising. And this year, with unemployment at 3.6%, they still ran a $2 trillion deficit. Mm -hmm. And so you start looking at the deficit risk of a fiat currency that can be printed by a government, or Most people don't realize this, Wolfgang, but gold is one of the top three reserve currencies in the world, U.S. dollar, euro, and gold. But gold is the only one that has no political attachment, no debt obligation, and no printing press. And the Eastern world is buying it in lieu of U.S. dollars because of those characteristics. The world hasn't paid attention to this. In
0: the new year, we're going to get you on with Jamie Carrasco. Did, Did you ever chat with Jamie? I, I did not. You, you should. Uh, he, he, but yeah, he, he's an advisor in Toronto. We we bring him on high fire frequently. But he's okay. from Latin America. So again, his his disdain for fiat currency comes from where he comes from, uh, which oh, is totally. Latin American and, and disrupt or uh, corrupt government, shall I say? Yeah, Cam, we do I, have to hop. R- I am out of time. No uh, this problem, is terrestrial radio. We got to run a few commercials, which are good things. Uh, from our Vancouver office, Mister Cam Curry, uh, specialist in base metals. Uh, he's been in helicopters. I don't know how many times. Kicking the dirt and I don't know how many different continents. uh, All over the world. Looking for gold dust, and he finds it. Uh, So a real pleasure. Merry Christmas to you, my friend, and uh, think snow.
1: My pleasure. All the best to you, too. Uh,
0: Stay tuned. We're going to... Be uh, spending some time with Mr. Steve Kane, the former president of the Warner Music Group. Uh, I love music and, well, I like the business of music. Uh, We're going to get caught up to speed as to what's taking place right after this.
1: Don't go anywhere.
0: There's more hi fi radio in a moment on 640 Toronto. I love that song. Now, usually, I'll cue that baby up when we have a lawyer on. Here I have the head of a former head, shall I say, of one of the largest music companies in the world, uh, the Warner Music Group, Mr. Steve Kane. And uh, I follow you on social as you follow me. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm always amazed at that beautiful jukebox that you have in your basement. I'm going to assume. And I said, Steve, I'm going to let you do something I never let a guest do. I'm going to let you pick the intro song. And you chose the Clash bank robber. I said that is such a great tune. Well done.
3: Well, there you go. It's uh, it just seemed appropriate in talking about the uh, the state of the music
0: business and uh, so so, the who, so, yeah, so well, I was surprised by that cause was, so who's Robin who here? Well, that's the because uh, because honestly, you came from the label business. You were always the one doing the robbing. So the artist <laughs> claimed. So but, so but you had art, put put the artist first mantra, and you're you're one of the good guys. I know that.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Well, 35 years working for labels, you know, I saw all the movies, read all the books. Um, <laughs> and that uh, you know, we were always the bad guys in it, and that was fine.
0: Um, but here, here's, the real,
3: here's the real crux of it. I'm a broke, right? Yeah, same yeah. thing. That's yeah. fine. <laughs> Every, everybody, everybody loves music. Everybody sees value in music. But what the, in, the music industry, the recorded music industry, has proven themselves to be excellent at, year after year, transition after transition, is they're really good at creating the monsters that eat them. You can start with the early days of radio and you know not being paid for, uh, for broadcast. You can shift to uh, the years of MTV where MTV Much Music, we built those businesses on our content mm-hmm. and received very little back. Mm-hmm. We went through the Napster years hoping that we learned something uh, as we saw the crash of, of the music business and people extracting all the value. No charge. No charge, and you know, sharing is caring, um, <laughs> which uh, you know, that's that was one of the uh, um, that was one of the hallmarks of piracy. So, flash forward, you make a deal with Apple uh, in the emergence of the download era, ninety nine cents a song. The view was it's better than nothing, uh-huh. and so we began as the digital era um, as the digital era emerged. We were making deals from places of fear, and um, panic, and so when you start at a ninety-nine cent threshold, it took us—I can't even remember—probably ten years to get to a buck twenty-nine, to get to variable pricing. And I always loved that Jimmy Page withheld the Led Zeppelin catalog from um, from download stores for many years, and one of the reasons he did that was he said, "If somebody can convince me that." Stairway to heaven is worth the same 99 cents as oops, baby. I did it again by Britney Spears. Then we can have a conversation. Um, yeah, brilliant was, and that was that, I was, that thinking, was, one I was, I was just it.
0: thinking about that song what a great song that was It had the transitions and the licks and number one on the charts forever to this day it is such a great song and still masterpiece
3: well here's the funny my my wife just turned 60 recently we we had a bit of a party and we decided on the playlist <laughs> uh, take a guess what the very last song on the playlist stay to heaven stay away to heaven wow. it, it was like being transported back to a high school dance okay, well,
0: honestly isn't it <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I think I got rejected when I asked the girl to dance oh. that. I, that was, I just had to sit at the that's, side for that one. That's a one. long time to
3: be rejected. That, that hurts.
0: That, that's a long time. <laughs> well put. Well put. Um, what, what, what's remarkable, Steve, and again, I used to love shopping Young Street and, and buying my records and uh, uh, to, to see the content transform and, and, and evolve. I just recently on Netflix watched the uh, making of "Bad Out of Hell and the challenge uh, they had finding a label. For a record that ultimately ended up selling 35 million copies, and if my math is correct, from my r- record company dealings days back when I was in rock radio, an artist would pick up about two bucks uh, a unit, buck fifty, two fifty, yeah, depending on the art. About right. So yeah. you, you sell 35 million copies of "Bad Out of Hell," uh, the band should take in about $75 million, $70 yeah. million dollars over time. That's a good living for one album. Yeah, the um, publishing.
3: Uh, which obviously, meatloaf had a uh, part of along with Jim Steinman. The the master usages, the 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 sales. Yeah, you could you could make a very healthy living off of. Not only one LP, one song.
0: So, you know, again, we're going to bring you back in January because I love your industry, as you know. And it is a very dynamic industry, a lot of moving parts. Um, but contracts, you know, artist contracts, the, the legalities of setting up the right contract. I, I say I, I lead with this, Steve, because I don't understand. It was our friend Britney Sp- Beers? Am I correct? I'm, 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 I'm yes. A,
2: second, where her father took control?
0: Is that what you're talking no, about? No, no. The, the one who just re-recorded all oh, of her... No, Swift. Taylor, Taylor Swift. Taylor, Taylor Swift. Uh, that's what I asked you about. How did she become a billionaire? Uh, you know, is my first question. But how was she also able to reproduce material that was already produced through a label, I'm assuming, who fronted it and paid for the... Right? That's how it yep. works. And we, I want to talk about that in detail. But how was she able to re-record the same material so she get a bigger take of that? How did she pull off that move?
3: So, every traditional recording contract has a re-record clause. And it's usually, again, if I, if I remember uh, correctly, it was usually 15 years after final delivery of, uh, of the last master on your, your contract and you had to be recouped. So that would be able to, you'd be able to go in and re-record. And many people have done it. Nobody with the spectacular success of Taylor because she's a, she's a whole phenomena on her own. Um, you know opposite end of the opposite end of the scale John Prine once uh, loved took his, his greatest hits and re-recorded them the reason John did it was he was getting a lot of offers for film placement for sinks so he figured well if I re-record them they can come to me instead of going to Atlantic or Asylum which were his original labels and he can offer them at a bit of a discount and keep the whole chunk oh. and not have to share it with, um,
0: with, with the label with the label
3: so that's not why Taylor did it, and and it, you know, she was probably still within her, um, uh, not being able to re-record. But obviously, oh. that was part of the settlement. That was probably part of the deal that she cut mm-hmm. uh, when she split ways with Big Machine and Scooter Braun. And that has proved enormously successful, both in terms of physical sales and what her fan base, that rabid fan base, choose
2: to. Stream. It just shows you, Wolf, how strong her brand truly is. Social media, how strong that phenomenon is, the viral nature of it. And she came to the table with a really strong hand, Wolf. And you know what? I'm going to say she won based on the deal that you're describing here, Steve.
0: But the, yeah, the, but the, the talent an artist needs to have today a very different skill set required today to become a successful artist than it was back when a traditional relationship was created between artist and record company and manager. Things were a lot simpler, but the, the artist had a lot less control. Now it appears that the artist has a lot of control, uh, and that is oh, it's a new world.
3: Yeah, they, they, they can choose to take more control. Um, the, the responsibilities put on an artist these days are really quite um, cumbersome, and, and it's a lot. They are expected to be active marketers. Right. Some of them are very good at it. Some are good Tay- at it. Taylor as a great example. Yeah. Um, Tegan and Sarah fantastic brand builders right there's others who are just not good at it mm-hmm. and so that's where they really still lean heavily on the record companies um, and labels put a lot of demands you have to feed that social media beast yeah to keep engaged because you don't have the power of radio as it used to be you don't have much music which yep. could break an artist on one song so, it's that constant feeding
0: of the machine. But they have publicists helping them with this. A publicist would, okay, talk about what a publicist would do 20 years ago. And what does a publicist do today? Well, the
3: publicist today um, has, how it's really changed is the publicist, the publicist used to pitch the story to media. Now, the publicist, in most cases, writes the story and serves it up to media. You know, we have new departments that are sort of adjacent to publicity, that's the social media department. We never had a social media. Conference. Right. Well, we didn't have social media. That's what, you know, when I started. Word of mouth was actually talking to people, um, as opposed to uh, word of mouth being now driven by uh, social media. And f- artists have to be actively involved in that, in a way they never were before. But again, I just, and have to be very careful because there's the risk of um, there's a the risk of shedding mystique. We know everything about artists. We know their every move. We know every move Taylor Swift's making today. Yeah. We didn't know what Jimmy no. Page was up to,
0: but I, I, so I just look at the brands today. How quick Taylor Swift built her brand, and it, to me it appears quick, but it really wasn't. She worked at it probably for what fifteen or twenty years, Steve?
3: Yeah, she just turned thirty-four.
0: Okay, right. but so then I look at well, let's talk Jimmy Page. There's a brand, and and some, but he's been at it for how long? See, fifty years. Oh. How long has Zeppelin been around? At
2: least, At least 50 years. We've we'll. we got
0: to be pushing 50 yeah. years. Yeah. Um, Keith Richards. God bless Keith Richards. Eh? Uh, I, what was that quote I caught? Uh, Willie Nelson. Uh, something about the next generation. Uh, they have to leave be it. careful what they leave. <laughs> leave, leave behind for us. Yes. <laughs> the next generation was taking care of this planet. Leave it nicely behind for us. Um, but unbelievable. What a brand. Um, but that just seemed like a slow, steady build through touring. As opposed to Digitization. Yeah. yeah, my my, uh, my advice
3: to young artists who are you know in the in the in genres there, where, tam- where touring still makes sense, where touring is still a vital part of it, is when you're looking at your record contract, when your manager's doing your first deal, don't worry about the upfront money so much anymore. Those those big advances, but you make damn sure that there is tour support in there. Um because you have to get out on the road. You still have to go and touch people. Now, other other genres, some
0: pop oh, yeah. genres. But you, the Beatles taught us that, that with their ten thousand hours in Liverpool. Yeah. Right? Yeah, they, exactly. They, they played, I think, three shows a day for six days a week. So you, you know the history better than I do. But it's something to that effect. But when you look at,
3: you know, non-touring artists these days, so pop artists these days, how do they communicate? They don't tour. They're on TikTok. They're on you know, they're on social media and building that perceived relationship between fan and artist.
0: Wow. Uh, I wanted to drill in a little bit further with my friend Steve Kane, uh, the former president of the Warner Music Group. Uh, such a great industry and such a great business. And we're going to talk a little bit more with Steve. Quick break and get right back to Hi-Fi Radio. Uh, Wolfgang Klein, portfolio manager, along with my partner, Jack Hartle, portfolio manager, and Mr. Steve Kane. I feel like I'm sitting here with uh, a very young Neil Young, shall I say. Stay tuned.
4: Don't go anywhere. There's more Hi-Fi Radio in a moment.
0: On 640 Toronto oh this is gonna be a proof for
3: me it's gonna be a little something different but we're gonna give it to him anyway are you ready come on
0: ha! i like it thank you steve mr. Mr. mr solomon mr. Burke, the burke the bishop of soul yeah, that's very cool solomon burke
1: Solomon Burke,
0: the what, bishop you, of soul the bishop of soul that's what he used so, to call him so, Seoul. the bishop of soul so was bishop he after um james brown contemporaries oh contemporaries yeah. so so james was the grandfather of soul correct is that was called the granddaddy of soul Oh, the grandfather, the grandfather of funk or soul. Funk, funk. I mean, funk. You've yeah. been the grandfather of funk. Yeah. Yeah. He was, wow, he's
3: the hardest working, uh, hardest working man in showbiz. Is the other thing. But they, had, they had a bit of a rivalry, uh, James and Solomon.
0: Wow, music business is such a cool industry. Uh, the jazz industry is a cool industry. From the old speakeasies, eh? And uh, of course, the uh, marijuana came from the jazz community. Uh, for Madness came along and then it was criminalized and then became decriminalized. Uh, Wow, things do change, and uh, I still have a great record collection. Uh, It's amazing how vinyl has survived, eh, Steve? Uh, And a bit of an uptick in vinyl to boot in terms of sales. Again, within the last 10 years, it it went completely dead. It was amazing. I'm not sure what happened to the industry. You once pressed great vinyl. And then all of a sudden, the vinyl became so bad, it used to warp, and you'd return it to A&A, A&A, And you know, they'd hold it up and say, is it warped or not, and put it on the table and spell. Okay, well, even the quarter won't make it go away. <laughs> um, but it went cheap. And if you buy vinyl today, and Jack, you saw the vinyl in my office, the Freddie Mercury one in uh, Barcelona, I think it was. How uh, thick that piece of vinyl. Yeah, much, much higher quality for sure. Unbelievable. Um, and yet the presses, uh, the last... Vinyl press, I think, is in Montreal in Canada. The only one left. Oh no, no. There's uh, there's at least
3: three just in. Are they, are they
0: new presses or old presses? Brand new presses. New presses. So there's a because they ran out of presses. I think they were down to one press oh, yeah. in the country. People
3: were people were scouring um, all through Eastern Europe looking for parts for all the old presses, uh, and then a company out of Czechoslovakia came up with a new. Um, a new style of, of,
0: of pressing. Czechoslovakia, my, my turntable, the same turntable that was in the uh, miniseries Suits, if you recall that. Yeah, okay. I have that exact same turntable at home, made in Czechoslovakia, yeah.
3: of all places. They made a lot of Why Czechoslovakia?
0: They just seem to have had
3: a, a history of making high-end audio products. But,
0: well, uh, they're close to Germany, and yeah. of course, the dual was a German product. Was, yep, and, yep. But Czechoslovakia... And, and then what is the, the, the big jukebox, the Wolitzer? Uh, there's Wolitzer. Is, is that German? uh so, well it sounds german i
3: think well it's a german name but i think they were actually invented in the u.s uh i i have a 1956 seaberg
0: is that is, what your, your yeah, jukebox yeah, is yeah, it's uh, a
3: 1956 looks like
0: the back end of a caddy with the, all it the is a really cool and, and but it actually yeah. plays records yes yeah. uh 45s or lps 45s 45s 45. so
3: yeah but it's fact, a beautiful looking machine oh they're they're gorgeous they're absolutely gorgeous is, as, is it does it, has that machine appreciated in value Yeah, I got it for my fiftieth birthday, and probably paid like three grand for it. And the last time I saw a similar one listed, it was like you know sixty five, seventy five
0: hundred. So pacing inflation. Yeah, yeah. I had a few pinball machines, and uh, I moved. I had to trade them. Uh, They held their value. Uh, I didn't make any money, but I was in a quick move to get rid of them. Ed
3: Ed Robertson from the Bare Naked Ladies is a big. Pinball machine collector, if you need to. Uh, is that uh, right? If you need to unload anymore.
1: Wow. Yeah. But yeah ba- back but to your point please. about
3: uh, pressing pl- uh, plants. In Burlington, uh, there's a company called Precision. And they do over a million units a month pressing.
0: Is that a lot? That's a lot. You know, when I got in this business, Jack, one of our clients, and you'll laugh if I told you the name I'm not going to on here, uh, he was holding Synram stock. This was 2001. And so I did a portfolio review and it said, the first stock you're going to sell is Synram. Wait a minute. They make CDs. I said yes, and it's on the decline. Yes. Says Wolfgang Klein, and we bumped it out. I think it went to zero, obviously. Um, and uh, do they still make CDs? Do you still? Yeah, yep. Uh,
3: yeah. There's still there's still lots of uh, smaller pressing plants that are making CDs. And and, and again, if uh, some of the press is to be believed, we are actually seeing an increase in CD sales as well.
0: So so let's go let's go to artists. Um, how how the, Taylor Swift is Taylor Swift, um, but and I don't know who good artist to, to, to talk about is right here, right now, but how does an artist make money today in comparison to the way a traditional artist would make money like a, you know, Rolling Stones or Queen or even Pearl Jam.
3: Yeah. It's, it's an incredibly challenging time for new artists um, because again, you have to just give you an example. So title to make $1, you have to have 78 streams, Apple music to make $1, 125 streams Amazon to make a dollar 249 streams and it just as you go down the list uh gross then you gotta pay your expenses off that yeah so you've you've still got you've got your publishing piece you've got your master use piece but that's how difficult it is
0: so that's a penny 1.2 pennies no that's less than no 78 streams entitled to make one dollar correct okay yeah yeah, 78 to make. Yeah, so it was, it was one penny per, just over one penny per, per so stream. So you can begin Spotify to Spotify will pay you 0.00. They'll pay you three pennies per... They'll no, pay you, 0.0. They'll pay 0. you less. So right. a third of a penny on Spotify. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. That's all Spotify paid to spin that song? That's correct. A third Sorry, of a penny. Sorry, is that the same
2: for every single song? Because you met, you referenced correct. Stairway to Heaven versus other that, new That artists. was
3: under variable pricing uh, on in the download era. This is, this is straight streaming. So every song... Gets that.
0: So, but this this is quite the divergence. So, Tidal Music is paying a a, a penny a spend. If I, yes, it is just a penny a spend. But Spotify is paying a third of a cent a spend. Amazon is paying 0.004 of a penny. And then look at YouTube. And then YouTube is paying 0.002. Is that good or bad? That's actually worse. That's even So I say, the strength of the company, Wolf, the strength of the company
2: determines obviously how much they have to pay. Obviously. That is correct. Yeah. Wow. But it's also their network that they're dealing with, right? You've got a much broader network when you have that distribution. So
0: if you download the song, uh, they pay. Uh, So the more download, the more they pay. The consumer never owns this.
3: Yep. Yep. They license it from the service. So if your subscription run, if you you let your subscription run out, you lose all that music. Where at least in the download days, you, you had a permanent...
2: So For, this is streaming, but people still do download because they want to have be able to play offline as well.
3: Less and less so, but um, uh, both Spotify and a couple of the others have uh, offline function functionality.
0: But well. so now, Steve, let's go back to the good news. The good news is because of digitization and because of streaming, um, a, a new life has been given apparently to the music industry, whereby gross revenue of music gross sales of music i don't care what form now it's uh, it's in zeros and ones as opposed to pieces of plastic gross sales have never been higher so that's good that's good and, and so, so who's getting the incremental the artist or the label or the or the publisher or combination a combination yeah uh,
3: again it depends on you know if an artist is still unrecouped if they still haven't paid back that, the label that label um, they're not receiving any royalties take, until they do that. Take Dark they're Side of the, the Moon.
0: That, that record has sold, I think, Steve, 250 million copies. Um, and I bought, the, I bought the vinyl, and I also bought a CD. Uh, last thing I want to do is pay for a digital download. Um, but if, if, I listen to that song, if I listen to Money, on, and we play it often on this show, and I try to give them 30 seconds so the artists actually get something through um, the royalty stream and, and, and traditional radio. What is it, uh, Cynram? uh, uh who, simra uh who's it simra simra that's what they're called now right? yeah. um anyways uh but they continue to make money off that record without even selling the record correct uh, right. yeah yeah
3: and they uh yep, you know, they, they they paid off that loan years and years years <laughs> years ago, years so and years it, ago. It, you know that cash register when it rings it rings for Bitcoin.
0: but it's amazing the power of those brands elton john Freddie Mercury, Queen, of course, um, and you just go down, the Beatles, obviously. Uh, those are powerful brands and to see them to continue to reinvent themselves, repackage, uh, create video, create a history of the artist, it's good stuff. Well, and you've also hit on a very important point when you talked about the growth
3: and you know, just the, the money being um, uh, made off of music these days is think about Warner Music, Universal Music, Sony Music, the depth of their catalog. So the last figure I read is for most of the majors, catalog accounts for a good 70% of their sales. So I want to or get to
0: that and we're running out of yeah. time but see I do want to ask that because when I, when I used to do business with Universal Music that's actually where I first met you was at Polygram that's which got gobbled up by Universal um, but Catalog was not the thing it was about new music and that's why you like dealing with the edge because they played your new rock music for you whereas at Wolf there's no money in Catalog and boy have times changed so I go back to the repackaging of Catalog and I, I, I want to speak about it that must be a huge component of the business you're just confirming what I yeah. thought yeah. 75% I'm of- I'm speaking
3: Digitally uh, in streaming, seventy-five percent of that is generally uh, again. That's a general number. That that's what's generated by catalog. About seventy-five.
0: So catalog is seventy-five percent of streaming.
3: But I, I'll huh. throw one caveat in there. Record companies consider um, catalog eighteen months and beyond. So oh. in that catalog, say the last Ed Sheeran record, that's that, considered. That became, F, 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 so you have shallow months, yeah. and deep catalog, but still, it you know that's what's throwing off money. So smaller independent labels don't have that luxury.
0: You know, it's funny. The, the, the name record company became the product, uh, which became obsolete. But the truth is the name record company is from recording and that remains. We're going to talk about that in January when we get Steve Cain back, the former president of uh, Universal Music. Uh, The man's retired, but uh, boy, he's going to more shows and hanging out at the Horseshoe Tavern, I think, more than ever. (laughs) It's remarkable. Uh, Merry Christmas to you, Steve. It's been an absolute treat uh, having a little tease with you uh, to discuss an industry very, very dear to my heart, that being the music industry. Uh, We are going to pivot... I'll stay within the consumer category i speak to our analyst uh, is it Boston Jack where uh, Susan Anderson is she covers uh, Elf Beauty my daughter loves the product we just went long the stock making near all time highs stay tuned
4: want to make more money stay tuned for more Hi-Fi Radio on
0: 640 Toronto show's Hi-Fi Radio show about some money we spent some time talking about the consumer. Steve Kane just spent a, a good chat with us uh, talking about uh, the music industry and consumer taste, and artists' uh, power and uh, challenges, shall I say? Uh, we're cruising over to New York. Lovely time of the year to go to New York—Christmas time, of course. Susan Anderson, uh, one of our analysts. Uh, did you dig that little tune I gave you, Susan, as an intro? Loved it. But that was not in a New York minute, Susan. Big delay. Hello. How are you? <laughs>
4: Good, I'm doing good. Yeah? Thanks for having me.
0: You're welcome. How, how How's the vibe uh, this Christmas season in New York?
4: It, it's good. Uh, consumers are out shopping. The crowds are out. I think, you know, um, inflation coming down, particularly at the pump, is really helping. And I think also we're seeing some higher promotions, I guess more normalization of promotions, which is, you know, giving them a little incentive to spend. So it seems like the consumer's been pretty resilient.
0: In, in many, yeah, we're, we're seeing pretty much the same thing uh, up here. So I, I did a little um, stocking stuffer purchasing today. I can't believe Christmas is just a few days away. Truly, it got away from me. But uh, I'm taking a bit of a different approach to Christmas these days. I, I sort of back off a little bit and just, you know, accept it for what it is. Um, but I had to buy some stocking stuffers. You know, when your spouse says, don't buy anything for me, buy something for them. Anyways, uh, so I bought a little uh, yeah. Chanel. I can't believe how expensive Chanel is for a half bottle, like a small bottle, $140. But then they give you some promo and you get knocked down to 110, but $110, that must be a high margin business. But my daughter is all over Elf product. She's 16. And so I just did a little bit of uh, anecdotal market research when I went to Shoppers Drug Bar and I said, how's the Elf selling? And the cosmetician looked at me. Why is he asking me that question? I said, well, I guess yeah. my, da- my daughter buys the stuff. And Elf, she said, yeah. ah. And we're not talking Elf on the Shelf, friends. Um, no Elf Beauty. And she said, oh, no, it's really, really good for selling product. It sells a lot, sells a lot. And I said, well, who's buying it? She said, well, basically 16 to 24-year-olds. I said, hmm. I said, why do they like it so much? She said, well, because it's very affordable. If you're under 10 bucks, you can actually get yourself some product. Well, so I, I like that business uh, 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 plan. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, compared to the Chanel at, yeah, at, at one right? So so talk to a little bit about Elf. The stock's hitting all-time highs. Yeah. Um, is it going higher or is it ahead of itself? Because the stock also came from, what, about 20 bucks, uh, which scares me. It came from about 20 or $25 two years ago. It's now trading 150 That's about a seven-bagger in, in short order. Yeah. So uh, yeah. You know, and Wolfie, yeah, Wolfie, Wolfie come lately just buying the stock. It could have put the stench on it to knock it down. Uh, so any legs left in Elf, or yeah. would you be chipping it out yeah. and taking yeah. profit?
4: No, no, we think so. I mean, they are they still have a lot of market share to gain. You talk about in Canada, if your daughter buys it, that's great to hear because that's one of their international markets that they're growing rapidly in, but still underpenetrated versus the U.S. So, you know, we see a lot of shelf space gains left for them. Also in skincare, they have very little market share, and they just bought Naturium, which is a massive skincare brand, um, which is going to, I think, be another growth vehicle for them so this is one of our top picks in beauty for 2024
0: you know it's funny because they, they they create these categories within beauty uh and I, I i tease my daughter and she plays with me but uh you know she's said, look daddy i just bought this new micro enhancing elixifier huh it's standard, Daddy. You put it on first before you put on mm-hmm. the prime. It's just these chemical layers of, of, of things, yeah. that they, they, but they buy into it. Um, it's, yeah. Genius. Yeah. it's genius. It's yeah. genius. Uh, you know, it, it truly, truly is. But the L'Oreal family. Boy, did you ever did you see that Susan the, the documentary? I think it's called on the the richest woman in uh, on the planet and uh, the 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 heiress to the I think the L'Oreal no, family. It oh, it's good. It's it's a, it's a miniseries on Netflix. Uh, she wow. was basically bamboozled. Um, um, by, I'm gonna have to check it out. Oh yeah, no, you got to watch it. It's really really good. You'd enjoy it too, Steve. You're retired. You got time on your hands. Uh, <laughs> it's a good thing, buddy. Um, but let's talk about Estee Lauder. That stock was a darling. It was a play on China. Uh, yeah. it, it was about a play on yeah. travel because when you travel and you arrive at the airport three hours in advance so you can get your overhead compartment, uh, yeah. you, you, t- you spend time shopping apparently and well, yeah. uh, apparently people are buying cosmetics. you do that, Jack, when you travel? No cosmetics, Wolf. No cosmetics. <laughs> but your daughter's, <laughs> be, your daughter's getting yeah. into it, right?
2: She will be and she'll be on that Elf ALF uh,
0: train, or, uh, bandwagon for sure. Yeah. Be- and be- Susan, before you answer that, Steve, I'd ask you, you know what, I'm a big Cure fan. Uh, who- who's the lead singer of the Cure? uh robert smith what's with the makeup it's
3: always it's, been there it's hasn't bad it? but it's bad I, I saw an early video of
0: him doing um i think not boys don't cry his a huge huge hit um and it was a great video and he had makeup back then but that was 35 40 years ago he's you know older guy just doesn't work but it's him his brand right i wonder if he's using estee lauder uh, and that stock's been knocked on the mat so let's back to you susan estee lauder so, signs of hope or mismanaged company because i spoke to a fellow from td who thinks mismanaged stay away
4: Yeah, well, so, you know, it's sold off quite a bit and it's recovered from the bottom. Um, you know, we're still on the sidelines because China is still seeing some troubles, especially the cosmetics area. Just the growth has not been good. Travel still is not great. They're very penetrated in travel, maybe too saturated. So, you know, I think there is going to have to be some changes there before we can get excited about the name. And then in North America, even though, you know, a lot of quarter department stores seem fine with beauty, but it's still a channel that, you know, in a secular decline. So, you know, we still remain on the sidelines there, but watching that one, because it is Estee Lauder, and I do think that, you know, one day they'll probably get back on track, but, you know, still a ways off.
0: It's an incredible business. Um, it's a fascinating business. I, you know, I, Again, Steve Kane's sitting here in the studio. I used to do business with Steve uh, back in my radio days, and uh, he knows the music industry inside and out. I love the industry, but I also love the fashion industry. I think it's just a really, really cool industry. Uh, you know, It's got its nuances and its quirks. Uh, and I remember when the radio station I worked for actually uh, put on a fashion show. It was called Clothes to the Edge, uh, and it was at over at Roy Thompson Hall. And uh, we brought in a fellow named Kelly Clipperton. He did all the choreographing of it. He ended up singing a, a big song. We did. We tied all this into the Casby Music Awards. Uh, full circle, fashion, music, uh, entertainment. Uh, it's lovely stuff. But beauty does, well, apparently matter. My daughter has no trouble being late for school as she's finishing up that mascara, Susan. Uh, it's, it, it's a powerful force. Uh, indeed it is. It
4: um, sounds it, like my daughter. <laughs> yeah,
0: you know, but I think social media has so much to do with that. Um, and even these phones. I, I think my daughter's actually reading. She's not. She's looking at herself. Uh, with her camera on her phone. I, I, I Jackson look at me. You wait, you watch. You watch. Your daughter's 12. Mine's 16. Oh, Shivani, Vani. I love my daughter. Uh, what a great show. Uh, I want to appreciate Susan for your time. Uh, all the best to you in that fabulous city, in New York. Have a great Christmas and keep the world beautiful. Uh, thank you.
4: Yeah, happy holidays.
0: Thank you. Uh, Steve Keane. Thank you for uh, dropping in. We're going to bring you back in January. I, I want to dig deeper into the music industry. Uh, friends at home, any questions for Jack Rai? Please just look us up, wolfgangklein.com, thewolfonbaystreet.com. Play, uh, no question too big, no question too small. We answer them all. And again, this year we've been trying to give you ideas to build wealth. Clients of ours are compounding their money. Just look at the website at slow, steady, you know, high single digits, low double digits, uh, growth portfolio up about 10% on the year. And if you're one of those, please, uh, we helped you make some money, give back. Um, it is better to give than receive lots of uh, great causes out there. It's cold out there. Homelessness is on the rise. Affordability is beyond reach for many. Uh, please help your neighbor. It'll make a better city and it'll make you feel real good. And guess what? Uh, do it in size and get a good tax deduction. Donate stock. That's appreciated. Microsoft, Google. Amazon, Apple, all near 52-week highs. give a little away uh, to a great charity. Uh, you won't pay the capital gains tax, and the charity will receive the full value, and so will you when you uh, deduct it uh, from your tax return, save about 40% in taxes. That's a good idea. Have a great weekend. Love you. Bye. You've been listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hardhill, portfolio managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any questions about money, email Wolf and Jack at
4: WolfgangKlein.com Hi-Fi Radio for the love of money. Join us again next week.